welcome to A Teaspoon of Healing, where we explore the pathways to wellness and vibrant living. Listen to personal stories of healing and interviews with experts. Open a doorway to healing in your life. I'm your host, Dawn Damari. On this episode, I'm chatting with an author, motivational speaker, and an artist, Aaron McCormick, about his book, Unbounded, and what it means to be unbounded in your life, to live life based on your own truth, and to approach life like a toddler, full of openness, and living through empathy, joy, trusting ourselves instead of relying on the validation of the world. Hi, I'm Dawn Damari, and you're listening to A Teaspoon of Healing. Today, my guest is Erin McCormick author, entrepreneur, inspirational speaker, and artist. Hi, Aaron. Hey, Dawn. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very well. Thanks for having me. And thank you for joining me on the podcast. So I read your bio and your story is very inspirational. You defied the odds and became very successful. And now you're helping other people learn how to do the same things based on joy and empathy. And that's a very brief <laughs> synopsis. <laughs> yeah. And would you mind sharing your story with our listeners? I can. There's a lot of aspects to it. I don't want to, you know, that's always a very open question. How far in, how far wide? But, um, you know, essentially <laughs> sure. I uh, was born and raised in Chicago, south suburbs, well, south side of the city and then the suburbs, uh, both of which are predominantly black Chicago, the city, obviously the South side and the West side tends to have, you know, infestation of gangs and all the typical challenges that we hear about with large inner cities. And um, I was raised by a single mom. They divorced when I was about three or four years old. I'm the youngest of four kids. And I was also raised in a very fundamentalist uh, Christian religious cult, if you will. I say cult because, uh, you know, that gets into the rules of whether or not you can dissent in any way or disagree with anything. And if so, you lose everything. So that's the only, um, you know, template or definition by which I use that term. Otherwise, I would just call it a fundamentalist religion. But the point there is there is a lot of perceived restriction or, or barriers, whether it was the, you know, assumed barrier of race in America, the presumed barrier of social class, um, having a single parent, being in a single parent household, and then obviously in a religion that frowned upon and almost uh, disallowed the pursuance of higher education, success, because again, in a very fundamentalist Christian religion, the point is you follow Christ, quote, Christ's uh, journey to a T, whereby he didn't try to become the greatest, because he could have been the greatest at anything if he was a perfect man, and he was just a lowly carpenter focusing on his ministry. So, there were no real ideals of personal greatness, just kind of martyrdom and just get a simple trade and uh, and focus on the church or in this case, the religion, enriching it and serving it. That's what I woke up later on to realize. So the point is, I've, I've, I've had all these various barriers from social and economic to racial to uh, religious and these things that conspire to shape all of us, really, because we all have the exact same things just to varying degrees. We all have come up in a specific 
ecosystem, a set of energies within the family, within the community, within the country, within society that is trying to tell us and how we should and shouldn't be in the energy we should hold. And to greater and lesser degrees, we get molded and we take on some of these things, or we recognize uh, more fully the force that was there before we were molded or we began learning what it meant to be who we were in our you know, given situations. So that's really the, the purpose of the book was to shine a light for all of us or to hold up our respective mirrors of, of our own journey. It's not a bio and autobiography about myself. I give examples and stories about me, but mostly it's not about me. It's about the things that we've all experienced that are very similar to the human journey um, and how we interpreted them at the time, how we look back on them and connecting dots that tell us that everything we've been through is effectively for us. It's not happening to us, it's for us. And there are lessons that are repetitively trying to get through to us through our consciousness. We're experiencing them, but we're not factoring them in a way that helps us and that shows us a way to congruency within. So I'm trying to shine a light or shine a mirror, hold up a mirror, if you will, to our own personal journey and, and how we can flourish as opposed to living in internal conflict. Nice. And so you had mentioned your fundamentalist upbringing and you weren't allowed to get a college education, but you still ended up, you ended up getting an (laughs) MBA anyway, and you had a very successful career as a corporate enterprise software salesman and at a very young age. And I've gone on to start businesses and the like. And the the irony about the education is I didn't get it when people normally get them. So I ended up getting an MBA at 39 is when I graduated. Um, And I didn't have an undergrad, obviously, as we discussed. But that Mm -hmm. the thing inside of me has always been there where we're all wired uh, a certain way in terms of how we physically experience our human journey. I say physically because whenever I refer to the physical, I'm thinking the mind because the mind, the mind is the thing that we've, um, shaped consciously at least. So it's, it's more the physical journey, the things we're taught, the things we experience that is shaping our disposition. But the, the natural side or the original essence or spark is that thing that was before that. So when I refer to, um, I allude in the book how there are things about my journey and all of our journeys that tell a story from way back when of what is more natural to us. So you know, we all get in touch with that at various times in our life uh, in terms of the original essence. And when I got that degree, I was still in the religion. Uh, it was, you know, it was frowned upon. Um, you know, you, it, we all are in these cultures from our community to our church to our jobs. They're all subcultures of what kind of expectations are. And it was definitely looked at oddly, especially given that I was already hugely successful, especially compared to most in that religion where they're just, you know, having very modest careers and businesses or or jobs just to get by waiting for God's kingdom to come, so to speak. So there was, but I've always um, had a struggle with not living my actual truth. And it's just a matter of time until I I would do it uh, on any given topic. And and I think, Don, that's a, a key thing that we all should be reflecting on, especially when there's so much information right now around us, with an election coming up, 
how we should be thinking and feeling, mm -hmm. perceiving, uh, and, and all these agendas that are vying for our emotional uh, attention and puts us on these emotional roller coasters. Mm -hmm. How do we determine what is our natural uh, feeling, essence, priority versus what we've been molded uh, to believe? And I, I go there just to say, when I look back on all of the stages of my life, there's absolute evidence of everything that I am now in terms of what makes me tick, my priority system, uh, uh, the empathy that teems within me, um, and the lack of contentment in going against what's really in my nature, just to appease something external, whether it is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, neighborhood, friends, uh, a mate, a spouse, a job, a career, a, your, your supposed race, even though we're all one human race, uh, your country. There's all these things mm -hmm. that um, I would rather follow my heart, so to speak, than to seek to appease or impress or conform to these other things. And all of us have that internal desire and need, but we have these calculations that we have to make uh, where we have to decide, okay, am I going to follow what's inside or am I going to follow what's expected? And there's an immediate outcome to not following the expectation of the external forces. And that's more fearful often than having conflict within because you just kind of say, okay, well, may not feel so great to go against my gut instinct in this situation, uh, but I'm just going to kind of push it down and we gradually do that over time. And before we know it, we're on a path that is highly divergent from a life and experience and, an, you know, a, an ex experience that we would prefer. Absolutely. What you had just said was very powerful and it's very relevant. And it's very easy to ignore your inner voice and you can just go along right. to get along. But in the end, you're betraying yourself. You can't escape from it. Right. It's like we... The path we think is the easier one is inevitably the harder one. And, you know, when, it's interesting when you look at our two bookends of life, as I call them, infancy, toddlerhood, if you will. And then the other extreme, mm -hmm. which is twilight, the twilight years, we tend to be anchored more to our source. Older people don't live for others, at least not usually. Right. They don't have jobs they hate. They have their routines. They're okay. They're comfortable in their skin. And as toddlers, we immediately push back on what is cramping our style, what is taking away our joy, whatever the case may be. It's like yes. we want to be seen. <laughs> we want to be noticed. So we don't want you to completely turn your back away from us. But we also don't want you to control us when we're in that stage. We want to be uh, mm -hmm. and we want to explore and expand. And that's like indicative of our entire journey. We're here for a reason. We're here for lessons, experiences, and to embody a certain, you know, place or space that we want to hold here in this physical plane. And uh, we want to be recognized for that. And yet the, the mind, which is extremely powerful, of course, we immediately come in and we're inundated with perspectives, examples, the disposition of others that are impressed upon us. And, and, and then right away, we do a simple calculation. Okay, there's five people around me in my family or 20 in my class or a bigger number of whatever it is, and there's just me here. So I'm not going to go against this large 
entity over here that's going to have an immediate impact to my job or my relationship status or whatever the case may be. I'm scared of that. Uh, so it's just easier to your point earlier. It, it, we think it's easier to just kind of go with the flow. Hey, I don't want to be a, a person of conflict. Mm-hmm. So we've minimized the significance of conflict with ourselves and we've made conflict with others the, the most terrible thing because that's how society has molded us. And, and that's why we're in a very hierarchical mm-hmm. system from government to business to celebrities to we're always measuring ourselves against some sort of external hierarchy. And then we wonder why we're mm-hmm. incongruent and, you know, inside we have conflict. We're still trying to find ourselves is the reason why. Absolutely. Now, when you wrote your book unbounded, is that kind of what being unbounded is about? Or I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it's a lot more, but yeah. I mean, it, it essentially is, the reality that all of us have felt throughout our lives, this awareness that we are more than what we are in the physical plane. Like we, we felt deja mm-hmm. vu. We have heard the term, your ears must be ringing. We, we know we're energy and even science has proven to us that everything is matter. We are matter. If we even just think about our heart holds a pulse, holds a beat. Our bodies hold a temperature. We are clearly like an electrical thing. We are energy and matter. Uh, everything is matter. So we know in so many different ways that we're more than what we think we are. Um, and yet we're, we're like coerced to believe in a very linear fashion that we are just, you know, we only came into existence the minute we're born. And then when we die, that's it. But yet all of our religions, and I mean the big religious structures, Christianity, Muslim, Buddhism, Hinduism, mm-hmm. what all of them have in common is that God or source is energy and that we are one with God. That's what almost every form of human religion throughout history mm-hmm. has always said. And um, we are energy itself. So we it's like we are God and that we are co-creators. In fact, many religious texts also make the same point. So becoming unbounded is where you somehow integrate the two. You make the connection through life experiences, through through your own cause and effect, through listening to your own internal source that, okay, I, I really am not limited in the way that I thought I was. It doesn't mean you don't have physical laws that are in, in our current you know, paradigm, so to speak, right? <laughs> um, but since we are energy, we draw in and create almost like the matrix. We, cre- we are the creators of our experience and, and the reason we can know that we are not limited to the physical uh, situation that we're in is we've all heard stories. This is just one example of a person that might have been born into a very warm nuclear family that had all their needs met financially. So there's there's a measure of affluence. There's a, 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 a mother and a father, love and affection, encouragement, all the things that we would consider to be ideal and then the person still grows up to be violent or delinquent, criminal, um, you know, depressed, yet they've had all the love. Why are they so depressed? Well, that is their own internal force. They are a powerful soul that is on this journey that is that has nothing to do with and it's not completely limited or shaped by what happens to it. Then you have the other extreme where a person might be born into a family of violence of criminal activity, 
alcoholism, lots of fear. They're constantly berated. You're never going to be anything, you know, just um, abused verbally, physically, in every way possible. And they still grow up to somehow be empathetic, leaders of non-for-profits or uh, entrepreneurs, highly inspirational, caring people. And you go, but that physically doesn't match. Again, the source is actually stronger than the external molding when it's consciously adhered to. But if it's ignored, then it completely it becomes irrelevant. It becomes uh, kind of a shell of itself. So we become unbounded when we allow ourselves to be more powered intrinsically than extrinsically. So we have these two big organs, the mind and the heart. These are physical organs, but figuratively speaking, the mind is what you've been told. The heart, the intuition, the spirit is what you just know. And that's the thing that is seeking to be, um, I guess, heard, felt, experienced. So to the extent that we are have a connection to heart, we're, we're just going to be more fulfilled. In fact, that's the only differentiator um, that, I, that I've come to know between the people that we admire most, that are the most successful, they're not better than anybody else mm-hmm. in any stretch. They are simply have a stronger connection mm-hmm. to their internal force. And so they are they have availed themselves to their own synergies, so to speak, whereas uh, the others who have succumbed more to the external stimuli around them. Uh, and, and therefore, they you know, they're not as fulfilled. They're not as positive. They haven't grown their muscles, so to speak, to have uh, to, to not only help themselves, but help others. Uh, it's really just all about our connection to our to our own source, our own spark. So that's the, the purpose of the book. And that's what unbounded means. It's it's when you no longer have the external stimuli, the binders that restrict your ebb and flow, so to speak. Your style or your essence is no longer restricted because you've come to realize everything is serving me and I don't have to uh, be in fear. It's not about you know, becoming a bunch of prima donnas, by the way, but it, but it is, a, it is about understanding <laughs> when you are in conflict or when that initial option comes up. Some people call it fight or flight, but it's not quite as direct as fight or flight. It's more like, I mean, it's a subset of that. It's more like, you know, do I uh, listen to what is within or do I suppress it uh, in this given, you know, Mm -hmm. those are more simple circumstances, but the book goes into everything from our personal view of ourselves to our relationships, to our career, um, those are the three big parts of the book. And there's obviously specifics around each of those topics. And the title is Unbounded Journey to Your Within. So how can we stop discounting ourselves? And it's very common to do that, to think that we're not good enough. Well, look at this person. They have so much more that they're so successful. I could mm-hmm. never be that. So h- how can we stop that? Well, there's a, there's a lot of ways. One of the things that I talk about is, you know, the best teacher, one of the best teachers is experience. And there's a lot of things that come at us, a lot of ideals, um, some call it rhetoric, whether it's motivational or inspirational, they're like mantras. And again, that's entering the mind only. Um, But experience are things that uh, bring emotion. When we have experiences, there's emotion attached to it. And that is the source that we're actually trying to also be, uh, you know, in congruency with, if you will. 
So looking back on your life, there's a there's a process at least just one just just one way. So in fact, I was interviewed by a hypnosis platform. They they've had a you know almost 200 guests that are all hypnotherapists, and I was the only non-hypnotherapist on there uh, because the the host and professional hypnotherapist of 20 some odd years said that it was a very unique way of addressing the subconscious while being conscious because 90% of human thought is unconscious. That means we don't know, or subconscious, that means we don't know the reason why we are doing 90% of what we do and and how we behave. Um, So what I try to do in the book, in those chapters, where how do we get beyond uh, discounting ourselves and looking externally for stuff is, Throughout the book, you're taking on a journey through, you know, on, of your own history, of circumstances, situations uh, that uh, you had to make decisions. You made them or you observed them, and you're forced to look at the result of those things, the how they served you at the time, how they ultimately served you, because we're all being taught these lessons, and it's not for someone else to tell you the lesson. It's for you to deductively understand and grasp it on your own terms and in your own experience. And it's little things like from, you know, when you were in fourth grade and you were scared about going to fifth grade because you saw, you know, a bigger siblings or somebody else's workbook and you go, wow, that's long division. I'll never know that. And then you realize, oh, there's a problem, (laughs) right? So eventually you did learn it and you got beyond it. Uh, But the things that once scared you like, or, or that made you feel worthless, like someone you liked didn't like you back and you thought it was the end of your world. You got you think you got dumped in, you know, seventh or eighth grade or something like this, right? And then in retrospect, all these mm-hmm. things, they they pale. And that's why older people have such a loving and, you know, uh, confident, soothing vibe about them. Grandmas, grand granddads, we love their presence because the things that we think are so huge, they've already, they have the gift of or, or the benefit of hindsight and realizing that's not really that big. <laughs> Even to you, you, you don't realize it yet, but it's not really mm-hmm. that big. So one of the ways, Don, is to go through your life, go through your perceived successes and perceived failures and learn how they've actually benefited you. Because all of them, even the ones you thought were bad, have helped you. It's no different than you lay down on the bench to lift weights at a gym and you are actually tearing up your muscles when you lift. You're tearing them, you're shredding them, and you're actually building them. Or the, the proverbial diamond under pressure. Uh, it's the same with our our um, essence and what we're here to do. Without struggle, you don't become what it is you're supposed to become. So that's helping you. And then when the good things happen, well, that's immediately enjoyable. The struggle is the part that's not enjoyable, but it's actually still doing you some good. The, the question is, will you recognize and understand it, or will you stay extrinsic where you're just looking at everyone else's perception of it and trying to impress, be appealing to, be attractive to all these other external things. You stay in that state. Everything that's bad that's ever happened to you will always be a bad thing. It just sucks. And you will stay in that vibe. Once you go within and realize your own journey, now that becomes something that serves you. And this is no different than every every person we've ever felt to be inspirational encouraging, uh, very successful, fulfilled. They are such because we happen to have learned. And if we, even if we haven't learned what they've gone through, this is their reality. They have gone through some of the craziest stuff you can possibly imagine. It's almost like 
the challenges are directly commensurate to the rewards. And that's one of the chapters is how anxiety uh, serves us and can actually yield superpowers because it's directly proportional. So one of the biggest things I want to get across to people, especially those that are going through stuff, I mean, heavy, really wild, challenging, even dark periods is how that um, is actually serving them, how it, it can be allowed to serve them and hopefully brighten them a bit. Absolutely. And we touched on this earlier, how to value yourself, even when you're risking ostracism. You know, sometimes when you follow your own inner path, you honor yourself, yeah. you're going to get ostracized. I've been there. Most people have been there. It's, it's scary. So how can, how can people do that? Well, again, if we go back through some of the instances, some of the lessons we've learned, and we remember that the things that we were super scared about that were external to us eventually went away from us. So whether it is that bully, that bully's not in your life anymore. It's that person that you loved so much or thought you loved and they never gave you the time of day. Uh, they, they don't have a place in your life or psyche at all. Um, external things can be separated from you. You can separate from them, but you can't run from yourself. So those things that you have always wanted, felt an aptitude in, but was somehow convinced due to external things, you weren't good enough because someone else was doing it. And boy, they're so much better. I'll never. So therefore, I'll just. So you've measured yourself against something external. So you therefore put away and set down something that really just makes your heart sing because you're so busy comparing. And the result of that is, you know, five, 10 years later, you're looking at yourself going, man, if I only would have, boy, why didn't I? And you keep saying, why didn't I for decades? And before you know it, you end up elderly with a ton of regrets and maybe you'll get a chance to do it over. You know, who knows what happens when we die? There's a lot of talk about that of, of uh, you know, do we repeat how many lives, you know, all, all this. But you just remember, you can't escape your own voice. So far better to be in conflict externally than internally because you can't separate from yourself and that will torment you worse. And then on top of that, you won't get the reward. I mean, you won't get the, the feel good energy that comes with doing something you enjoy and eventually get even you know really good at because you enjoy it. And the additional joy that comes with being a stimulus to others. Because when we all do stuff that's in our lane, so to speak, that's naturally a fit, we are all energy. That's why we notice a, a mood when it enters the room. We are all, you know, connecting and transferring and receiving vibrational energy frequency from each other. So you're actually holding, withholding a gift to the world by not doing the things that feel really good to you because you've measured yourself by some external thing and you've discounted yourself. So in discounting yourself, you're doing a disservice to you and, and to others. And a good way to get there is to just, again, think through what feels good to you without the measurement, without the external thing, and then look at in the past how the cause and effect has played out. Um, you know, the book is just a roadmap to doing that. You can do without the book, but I think this is fundamental for us to consciously tap into the unconscious behavior and ruts that we put ourselves into because we're so entranced by the external world around us. Absolutely. 
What are your thoughts on our, our current world situation? It's pretty crazy. Understate. There's a lot of negativity. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of negativity. Yes, definitely. It's wild. So there's a lot of negativity, obviously. But what good can come from this? Because like you said, it's like a diamond being, I don't know what that word is, polished. Or when you're going through a lot of troubles, there can be some good that can come yeah, out. There always is. Um, and hopefully we, we become conscious of it um, because it just feels good to obviously know consciously when something is serving you, right? I mean, uh, we, we experience things in the consciousness mm -hmm. of it all. So I consider what we're going through a very good thing, as bad as it is for all the points that you just made. Mm -hmm. I consider it a collective dark night of the soul, so to speak. And if you Google that, if you get into that mm -hmm. term, it denotes a period of someone's life, whether it's an event or series of events that change the person, it changes them. It's dark in the sense that they face some of the worst fears of their life, the biggest fears of their life, uh, and they have to carry them. So it's like huge training. They have to go through it sometimes alone. And th those things actually forge them in better ways. And when, when I say it changes, this is the miraculous part. People say we all know humans are hugely adverse to change. So you know something is a miraculous change mm -hmm. when a human completely changes. I mean, we can't even do good habits. We can't break bad habits. I mean, we're notoriously bad about change. But when you just change inexplicably, yes. that's rather miraculous. And that's indicative of a dark night of the soul where where something has made, some, you know, um, has animated you, caused you to be animated very differently because you now see things in a completely different light. So as we go into the space of we can't have as many external distractions, there is no work, there is no shopping, constant stimulation with friends and hanging out and being your social groups, mm -hmm. vacations. There's just so much that has just is just not available. It causes you to to go back to mm -hmm. ground zero, so to speak. Some are doing this uh, consciously where they're deliberately taking this opportunity to become more introspective and meditate and expand or read or go back into their favorite hobbies when they were youthful. I went and bought a bike for my son and I bought one for myself. And uh, I went one week cause I was on the fence, you know, bikes can be very expensive. And, and I used to be in the BMX and I, you know, this bike yeah. was that I liked was not cheap. And I'm like, I got to think on this. So I go back a week or two later and there's no inventory. And I'm asking the bike shop owner, is this normal? Is this just, you know, what, what, what's up with that? And he's like, he's never seen that. And I told him, I said, I, I suspect hmm. this has to do with the pandemic we're in. Like you, we are all going to go into a higher consciousness, if you will, as in you're going to see things that you didn't quite realize were the case before. In fact, if you, if you go through a period where you've got a dead end job, so to speak. And I don't mean financially dead end. I mean, it's dead end to you in that it doesn't grow or expand or yield anything productive inside of you. Mm -hmm. And you're just doing it. There's other things you'd rather be doing with your time, which is your most valuable asset, but you never make a change because you got to pay bills and you're afraid of your credit. And you've got all these structured things that require you, so to speak, to stay there. Now all that has just changed. So now your worst fears are there. Mm -hmm. And you're facing them and then you realize, hey, I'm still alive. And then you found new ways to find joy and you're like, oh, this feels good. And then you start to realize, okay, so maybe the things that I 
ascribed huge importance to are not that important. Maybe it's okay for me to downgrade my car. Maybe it's okay for me to downgrade my house. Maybe it's okay for me. And so you'll start cutting back. Some have done this already. They'll cut back a lot of their expense because those things are what the world has told you you're defined if you have these things. Or they sell off assets. They'll sell off high-end watches and things that really don't bring intrinsic value just to buy themselves the time and the freedom to do what brings intrinsic value. So I think collectively, in many ways, this dark period is going to serve humanity. um, And it's going to be interesting to watch it play out. But I'm already starting to see evidences of these things. And so the question now, it's going to serve you regardless. So if you're still sulking about it, just like we might have sulked about that broken heart at 12 or 13 years old, um, but later on, you learn from it. So whether you're consciously (laughs) aware of how this is, uh, you know, taking steps to expand and go within, um, or like listening to your podcast and doing things like th- doing things that awaken truths within you, or whether you're still stuck in the matrix of fear and all the things around you that you perceive to be uh, what define you, you're still going to come out the other end at some point um, aware of how this served you. At least that's the hope. That's what happens when we get older. At least the key is will you you know will you do it sooner rather than later. That's really what it comes down to. I agree. I see it too. And I see it with myself and with others. And I really hope that when we come out of this, there's going to be change. I really hope so. And hopefully for the better. So this is this time also, and just in general, how, how is introspection powerful? Well, for all the things we've been talking about, um, there is. Yeah. So number one, um, I believe that we are actually one. We're we're in that we are part of that same ubiquitous force that ties us all together. And uh, so many examples we've all experienced will indicate that to us. But then the logic will tell us <laughs> because again, the mind is the logic. Those are things you've you've come to learn since you've been uh, born. Will tell you, well, maybe uh, I can't really prove that. So if I can't prove it, it's kind of the same way. We view ourselves in our career. Once we've been doing something for five, 10 years, we believe that that's all we are going to be accepted to do. That's mm-hmm. all we'll ever apply to do because no one will see us any different. And so we we make ourselves be these very rigid, uh, fixed things when in, when in reality, if we are energy, we are anything but fixed. We're fluid. Energy gets conducted. So you don't have these limitations. Hence, we're talking about being unbounded. So introspection, I mean, I've always considered myself a student of life. A lot of questions come at me about how did you do this at this age or why were you? I wasn't consciously trying to uh, overcome the forces around me like I'm going to beat this thing or I'm going to be successful despite my race at this particular time we live in. Of course, I mean, (laughs) even on the race topic alone. A black or brown has been the most powerful human, so to speak, on the planet for longer, far longer than it's been, you know, the opposite, where it's now in fashion for the last several hundred years right. to be the least or the most disenfranchised and least powerful. The world goes on all these physical themes and patterns and, and history repeats and it's just one big cycle. So when you go within, you are outside of all the physical minutiae that is currently dictating, trying to dictate 
the energy of everyone around you, from the media to all the social stuff. It's dictating that to you. And yet what's ironic is all of us, our real selves, just like when we were babies, we don't want to be dictated to. <laughs> we never have. We want to express. We want to interpret at our own, you know, as we choose. We want to connect, touch, stimulate, be stimulated by, expand, and, and just experience. We don't want it to be controlled. Well, mankind has gotten too far down the, you know, if you think about uh, frequency, if you will, the, the, the overall vibe of humanity is much lower than it needs to be. And nature always finds a way to evolve and, and level up. So I, I think that collective energy, whether you call it God, Source, Mother Earth, Gaia, whatever we call it, is going to normalize that and take us back to a bit more balance or raise our vibe, our collective vibe. And that's what, what's happening now. So as you go within, you are in the flow of that because um, the rest of the energy around is is has not done us any favors throughout history. I think we all uh, you know can see that. Absolutely. And there's a lot of things like you mentioned, a lot of the narratives that we're following it. I'm not saying we, meaning you and I, but we're all culpable to it. But just saying we in general, a lot of it's dictated by the media. And that's like, you know, something is the topic du jour. So that's what everybody is focused oh, on. Yeah. So if you're introspective, you can choose your focus. Right. And you can be more tied to that, that original source. And when I keep saying that source, well, just think about it. it. Everything was more beautiful when we were closer to our original essence, you know, babies, toddlers, they don't. Yes. They, I mean, the two things we're here to both experience. So yes, you have to have something that you want and you have to be attuned with that. And you got to serve yourself, love yourself first. You can't love someone until you love yourself. But the very next thing is to touch and to give and to inspire or help or share or experience with another toddler. And, and toddlers are very empathetic. I mean, they want to serve themselves first, but the minute someone else starts crying, that's a problem for them. They immediately want to go to the aid of and go help. So, and they don't have all these divisions. They don't, they don't care who's a boy or girl like we have in the sexes as adults. They don't care race, nationality, who makes the most, who's got the better toys. It's like we gradually learn these things that are dividers. They cause division that give us the illusion of separation when in reality we're all actual energy and energy doesn't have a bunch of barriers. It's just energy. It freely flows. And to the extent that you are more tapped into your true essence or you're going within and you're now you're tapping into energy and energy and, and if God is energy and the, and most religious texts say God is love, then we're all going to raise. We're all going to go up. So as we all have the opportunity to to listen, that's part of the evolution of, of this whole process for all of us. Some of us are just more conscious about it. Just like you have a show like this, I've experienced, I want to share, I've written a book. Some of your listeners are listening and they're, they're probably giving and sharing as well. So um, hopefully we're all going to a much better place because of going within like this. I hope so too. And you mentioned anxiety. A lot of us struggle with that. I know I do. And how can it actually help us? How can we channel this anxiety to serve us instead of harm us? 
Well, again, we talked about looking back on things that were once huge to you and how little they are now and how some of the worst things that happened to you, they actually served you in the sense that, you know, like if you think about a child when they get a wound, don't they always brag about it? And when it, after it's healed, of course, <laughs> when it, when they get yeah. their cut, it's <laughs> all pity, pity. But later on, they want to brag about mm-hmm. the fact that they went through that, that they sustained it. That model applies. It's the same when we're yep. adults. We, we've been through things that in some strange way, we wouldn't have it any different. And that's what's really weird. If we really go within and we really got introspective about it, the stuff that you've been through, you are proud that you've been through. And, you know, it's kind of like the, the old adage about uh, media, you know, for some celebrities that have very wild personas, they say just bad press is good press, so to speak. Well, it's almost like bad yes. experiences are good experiences in the sense that in some way mm-hmm. they they are, it, it, it's like we subconsciously know that we are spirits on a physical journey. And if we are pure energy, if we are that unfathomable God source, which no one can ever fathom what God is, how could anything have no beginning and no end? But let's just, but if we are extensions or pieces of the God force, then when we choose to be a human, you are choosing to experience the weight of gravity, the weight of emotion, the weight of insecurity, all these things that are way beneath the real frequency that you're in, it's just like when we choose to get on a ride at Six Flags and it scares the crap out of us. You chose to succumb to that, right? Or you choose to go to a horror movie. So it's like there's a subconscious part of us that knows, and that's and I stress subconscious because nobody consciously enjoys experiencing the death of a loved one or enjoys experiencing unemployment or all the stresses. No, but subconsciously, yeah. it's like it. It's part of what we incarnated to experience, the illusion of separation from that ubiquitous energetic force. And we've, you know, if we talk metaphysical, any of us can pontificate without even a conversation with anyone else. And it's, you can do it forever because it's, it's unfathomable, you know, the potential. So, so when it comes to uh, anxiety and serving us, you just look at your various vantage point while you're in the human form. Your vantage point at 12 compared to your vantage point at three. Your vantage point at 20 compared to your 12. You know, now at 40 compared to 20. And you see your evolution and you realize all the things that I am in the moment of. So if it was that way before, why would it be different now? So now I'm in this moment of, oh no, my career, what's going to happen with industries, with COVID and all this stuff. I mean, you're being wiped out. Oh no, what's going to happen with, Mm. but when you just remember, I've made it through the other stuff. I recognize in hindsight how they served me. This period will probably, I'll look back on and realize how it served me and how I grew from it. So let me just stop trying to overly control and stress over it and seek joy or seek the things that do, does feel in line in frequency and energetic alignment, if you will, um, for the space that I want to be in, not fearing and complaining and uh, staying in the energy of what I perceive to be the problem right now. Absolutely. Thank you for that. I think that'll help a lot of people as a good way to look at it. I hope. And so 
Yeah. And just one more thing before we, we talk about your book and, and sign off. So you had mentioned, well, actually you had, I had read it in your bio about the power of empathy and why nice guys don't finish last in business and in life, nice guys or gals. So how can people realize this, that empathy and joy, these are, these things help you being empathetic and helping others. It's, it's it doesn't mean you're going to get stepped on all the time. It doesn't mean that you're going to finish last. Well, it's definitely helping you because you are closer to your original essence. And that, that means you're closer to actually being unbounded because it's the things we've learned to be unempathetic. We've learned to do whatever it takes to spite anybody else. We've, we've learned that. Like I've, I've watched my, my son, uh, you know, he's three years old at the time, maybe two and a half in, you know, little soccer team. And he's dribbling the ball. He's running downfield and somebody chasing him, but in kind of in his quarter view, quarter review goes down. He completely stops dribbling the ball. He's headed to a goal and he wants to go and tend to the kid that fell. I mean, we, we were naturally mm. empathetic. We get taught no, no, no. Screw everybody else. You do what you got to do and you got to get blah, 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 blah. So we're, so we're taught these things. So to the people that are naturally more caring and, and empathic, as the world shifts, because remember evolution, so to speak, or energy, or, uh, nature finds its way. So whether it's God, this being, which really has no shape or form, which means it's probably more ubiquitous energy, but how could it have intelligence? All the things that we don't understand the point is, if, if that is what we actually are, um, then and, and we come into this world with these with this empathetic way about us, that's latent power. And so I talk about how, ironically, when I'm 22, 23 years old and I'm making half a million dollars a year and million dollar houses and and, you know, living this you know life that you technically shouldn't be happening, especially for how I physically have shown up in the world as a black dude in the, in this era. Um, well, what do I attribute that to? A lot of it I've attributed it to empathy. Now, obviously there's critical thinking, there's intellect, there's, there's other things that go into how you apply yourself, but the motivating force is actually caring and clients on the other side know when you're just there to get a sell versus when you are a person interacting with another person, you're in that moment and you actually want to help, you want to make money too, but you're not going to make it at any cost. And some of these things are just energetically felt. Right. And so empathy has personally made me millions. And every single executive or CEO is essentially a salesperson and salespeople are problem solvers and they are workers with humanity. Like your, your product, I mean, your, your, your expertise is not a product. Your expertise is the intersection of the client has a need, the person has a need. You have an objective. That's why you've created this product or you represent this product. And you need to find the intersection. And it's not one-sided. It's a real pet peeve of mine, Don, when I see, especially in social media, a lot of these affluent, at least, you know, from a money perspective, people that are trying to train our youth mm -hmm. to be heartless go-getters. And, you know, I saw one yeah. example, there was a real estate flipper and he's bragging, he's had like half a million followers on Instagram. And he's bragging about how he's so good. He can just manufacture $10,000, you know, from nowhere. And the way he was 
the context was he'd already made a deal to buy an older woman's house. It's only like a hundred fifty thousand dollar deal, and that's probably all she asked her name. Who knows? And they've already agreed on that deal. This is a follow up call, and he manufactures this fake reason why it now has to be one forty, but he gets her to kind of go along with it. And I see all the comments, and the young men are like, "Oh, dude, that's awesome!" You're, he manipulates and lies, and is for a little bit of money just to show off. I want to make this point. Here's a young dude who's driven the Lamborghinis, Ferraris, had mansions, traveled the world, all the cool watches, all that stuff. And I was a nice guy. I am a nice guy. We don't finish last. You need to learn how to channel and use the gift of empathy to serve others and serve yourself. Now you're doing something that's worth being proud about. In some ways, we're going in the right direction. In other ways, we're taking steps back. And and, and at least I want to be a force for good as much as I can. Well, I think you are. So now your book, Unbounded, Journey to Your Within, I assume it's available on Amazon? Amazon, it's on Barnes & Noble, Uh uh, Walmart. So most of the larger retailers will have it. And you can also find it on my website. Yes, I was going to ask, what is your website and where can people reach you? AaronMcCormick.com or uh, the same website is UnboundedBook.com. And people can reach out and learn about you. You can message me, send an email on there. Inquire about having me speak, businesses, non-for-profit. You can also follow me on uh, Instagram. I've recently gone private on Instagram, but you can re- certainly request to follow me. Go on private because there's been a lot of suppression out there where if you're too positive and if you're not in the narratives of all these different polarizing things, they actually will suppress. And I've done experiments to prove that my, my account yeah. is suppressed, but that's okay. So people can follow you there. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on A Teaspoon of Healing. I appreciate you having me, Don. You're doing good work. So, uh, Well, thank you. You're doing wonderful work. Susan, you remember the time we were in Orange County? We were driving around and we got lost. And we ran into this place called Avila's El Ranchito. You remember the place? The place had awesome decor and authentic margaritas. Did you know that Avila's El Ranchito has been around since 1966? They have 13 locations throughout Orange County. Visit Salvador Avila's location in Lake Forest and Foothill Ranch for great food, ambiance, and specialty margaritas. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Teaspoon of Healing. If you have any questions for me or for Erin, visit my website, teaspoonofhealing.com, and click on Contact. When you're at my website, you can read the show notes for this show, download other episodes, and get resources on nutritional therapy, Reiki, and a lot more. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on whatever podcast app you use or wherever you get your podcasts. And then you'll never miss another episode. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a physician or other health professional before undertaking changes in lifestyle or wellness habits. The author claims no responsibility to any person or entity for any liability, loss, or damage caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of the use, application, or interpretation of the information presented herein.